Church Declaration. If you don't know it, here it is. This is my Bible. My Bible is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. It is my weapon because it is infallible. This word slays sickness. This word defeats demons. This word eradicates hidden faults, deliberate sin, transgression, and abomination. My Bible is the ultimate truth. This truth invades the darkness and exposes lie, weakness, lies, cowardice, and doubt. My Bible injects hope love and trust into my insecurities demanding that I raise my level of expectations. It assures me that my Lord guarantees that I will triumph over all the forces in this world arrayed against me because he is the God of the angel armies. I conquer, I see results, I overcome because of my Bible. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I conquer. Anybody conquer in here? Hallelujah. Amen. Technical difficulties. All right. Um, in the back, in the back, we have these cards. How many of you guys remember last year's theme? You get a, a special prize if you remember last year's theme. 2015's theme was what? Yeah. Building the brand. Special prize for Steph. Building the brand. Anybody, everybody, who doesn't have this card? I want everybody to grab a card so we can remember this because we're not forgetting what we did in 2015. Say it with me. Building the brand. Building the brand. And what did that mean? We were building the brand of Christianity building the brand of our walk with God and building would you say, and building the brand <laughs> of the church. What kind of church uh, were we last year? A church of what? Service. And what were the five steps of building the brand? Love, pray, worship, give, and serve. Amen. So did um, how many of you felt we were successful last year with all the service we did? Woo! Amen. What was your favorite? Mine was, um, I think um, mine was, uh, um, what was that, Labor Day when we went around and did random acts? Did you like that, that Sean? We, we touched a lot of people, huh? We went to uh, the, the nurse. Oh, and then we got free waffles. Yes, we did. Because we went, see, out of the mouth of babes. We went to uh, bless the people and more than waffles, and they blessed us, huh, Sean? Yes. All right. Anybody else remember a service that was your favorite? Um, Steph? The school has over 900 kids at this school, elementary school, and it's designed for 600. 
So they moved her over there really to make a change in the school. To, you know, she, she has a reputation for bringing up scores, but she felt very just overwhelmed by just the, 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 the task because she can't even sit them all down at lunch. There's no space for that. For that. And our, we came in like she was so happy. Like we tore down the library, put all the books back in in order. The kids were amazed. I know the kids did a great job at doing that. The guys painted. A teacher showed up and she said, can you paint my whole wall? They painted her whole wall for her. She ha She's a fifth grade teacher, I think, and she has like 45 kids in her classroom in a portable that is designed for like 20. So they were just overwhelmingly just like they could not believe that we spent a Sunday morning at a school, sweeping, cleaning up leaves, and painting. So it was amazing. Amen, amen. And that's our adopted school, so that means we'll be back. And um, how many, I, I like the backpack. Uh, we did, how many backpacks did we do? Does anybody remember? Was it 50? I think we hit 50 this year. So we did 50 book backpacks for the school. Um, and then we did something else. Oh, we did, we did the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the senior center, the senior center. on our church anniversary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we we cleaned up the senior center um, and you you guys cleaned I have to give it to you you clean 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 that place was spotless amen so we did we did show our love we did pray we had our day our night our days of worship um, we we gave we did so many amazing things and so um, what what you can where did you, okay Oh, there you go. I was like, <laughs> I didn't see you there. Um, so we are grateful, grateful, grateful that um, you can go. Can you go? Okay. That, that we, um, we are not leaving these steps, okay? So remember, say building. Okay, we are building. We're building your life. Um, one of the things that was a real blessing is that when we um, when we did the service and we did all that, we uh, Pastor and I went. It was one holiday, but anyway, I can't remember which one. But we went to spend some time with Dave and Natoya at their house, and Natoya was taking a plate of food to the security guard at her building. She said, "I got to stay in that mode of making sure people are covered." So it's not just we're not just building the brand of Hallel, but it's building the brand of you. Um, uh, Rod went down and served the homeless and gave the coats as. Kate is doing a coat, a coat drive. So we have to make sure that we walk in these steps continuously. So I want, the reason why you got the card was because we don't want you to forget the five steps. Say building. building. Okay, we're building. So we're still loving, praying, worshiping, giving, and serving. Amen? Amen. And when we talk, when we talk about brands, branding is important. What's the brand of Christianity? What's, yeah, what's the brand mm -hmm. of Christianity? Somebody, I heard somebody say, uh, we, should, we shouldn't even call ourselves Christians. We should call ourselves followers. Yeah. Because some of us are who are Christians don't follow. Mm -hmm. And Christians were first called, right, mom, followers of the way. Mm -hmm. Followers of the way. And then there are those of us who we follow God loosely when, it, when it's convenient for us. But when God asks us to do something like start a church, <laughs> and I say, no, I know that ain't God. The guy was like, all right, <laughs> you finally, so we're building the brand of Christianity because the world, they have a skewed view of who we are. Because anytime you see us in movies, anytime you see believers, followers in movies, they're either crazy, eccentric, or that, you know, there's, something, there's something wrong with them. Um, and I'm like, they're misrepresenting us. So we have to show them what the real is, amen? Amen, amen. Can we, um, let's uh, dim the lights a bit, Daddy, see, would you mind? 
microphone. Um, and for the next slide, uh, remember that um, at any given time, we record everything that we do. So remember on our website, uh, we, we have uh, two missions, inReach and outreach. Outreach, everybody pretty much, the world is very familiar with outreach. Outreach is when you go outside the walls and you do service in the community. InReach is when you're inside and you do work in the kingdom inside the building by building you, by building, strengthening you in your faith. So this is the latest um, video. We just want to recap. This was Stephanie's favorite service. Um, so we want to go back and just show and thank you guys for all of your service. Amen? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. That's Principal Gomez and her little girl, 18-month-old daughter. One second. Pause. Let. This is our worship team. Shopping at Ross for the teachers. Oh, yeah, we gave teachers gifts this year. Amen. We did 47 gifts. We did 42 at church, and we added some more for the office staff. Remanagement Discipleship Group. Handwritten cards for the teachers. everybody who gave and served. Amen. amen, amen, amen. So now that we know where we've been in the last year, love, pray, worship, give, serve, the new question is where do we go from here, okay? How many of you guys ever remember the Diana Ross song, Do You Know Where You're Going To? Um, and we have to know where we're going to, so we don't want to stop there, but we want to um, stay in the building zone, amen? amen? Amen. So as Steph hands these out, let's go over... Um, some definitions, okay? Let's go over some definitions. So you have your last year 2015 card, and now you have your 2016 card. And do you need somebody to do this side? Okay. It's so funny how this side always has more people than this side, but this side is closer to the door, so I always expect more people to be on this side. 
All right, and they're smaller. Don't freak out. I know they're really small. You can't see the print. Technical difficulties. I thought it was supposed to be a bigger card, but you will, um, you'll get the scripture over and over throughout the year. Amen. So you're cool. But this is um, last year we did the cards. So we did the cards you had in your hand before, so you could put it up as a reminder. And so this year, um, say it with me. Say this year we're building godly community. Godly community. Amen. Next slide. So then, so what does it mean to build? What does it mean to build? Because we hear a lot of words. Remember, we did the word new before, and we hear these words, but we need to make sure we understand what they mean. They, what they mean. So when you're building, when you're building, you're constructing something, and it's usually something really large. So it takes a lot of parts and a lot of materials, and it takes extra time. Okay. So you're building, building. If you're building your life, if you're going to school and building your educational career, it could take four years, eight years but you're building and I love what um, Bishop Omer said one time he said those years are gonna pass anyway so you should use them doing something constructive amen so building is when you are constructing something and it's typically very large and you're putting parts and materials together together over a long period of time what does it mean to be godly it is a personal attitude towards God but results in our actions say actions Actions, 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 the things that we do, okay? The things that we do that please God, the things that we do that please God. It is devotion to God and it is devotion in, there goes that word again, action, action. Say it again, action. Okay, and it's discipline that focuses on God. So a lot of us grew up and we may have been in the traditional church and we heard them say at beginning of service, we had devotion time. Do anybody remember that? Well, you may not have grown up in an old school church, but that shows my age. So when I was growing up, before service started, they had devotion time. Before you start your day, you are encouraged to have what? Devotion time. Why is it called devotion? Because it is showing your affection, your love, and your development and your, your, your grip on God. And so you're saying, I have, I can't even go and start my day until I show my devotion to God and I get in his presence and I talk to him and I spend time with him and I love on him. So godliness is when your actions show it all the time, where you stop yourself. If your actions are trying to go in the opposite direction of God, you go, wait a minute, does this glorify God? Does this show God? Let me catch the words I say. Let me catch what I do. Um, like when my neighbor parked in front of our house and they block up all the streets and I was mad the other day. And so I say, excuse me, can I talk to you about how you park? And my husband looked at me and I said, I just wanted to ask you, do you mind um, if you could give us our space? And I was like, I had because he was looking at me and he looked at me. He said, why, 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 why are you getting upset with them? You know, they're working. So what they do is one of our neighbors, she kind of takes care of everybody on the street. So she keeps everybody's car keys and she moves the cars around so that while they're at work, she can, you know, keep parking spaces. So what they do in front of our house is they put two cars in a space for three cars so nobody can get in between. And we have our nephew's car here while he's away from college so I just all I wanted to do was park his car in front of our house but we couldn't fit so I was ready to go from zero to 20,000 in two seconds I was ready to row and it was the look that he gave and then it's reminder that she knows that we're godly people and if we profess to be godly then we should talk to her in a godly fashion so it's the little things and it's the big things okay so it's building I'm constructing my life so that even if I'm in process uh, um, in me management what we learn is it's a, it's that that emotional management 
management system where you stop before you go into gear. It could take 20 seconds, 30 seconds for you to grab a hold of yourself and say, well, watch my actions. Let me keep it in and check, okay? What is community? What is community? It's a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of you sharing common attitudes, common interests, and common goals. So if we are believers, this is a community of what? Believers, okay? This is a community of people. So what we are doing is we're constructing something that may take a long time, but we are building up our actions so that they please God, that they show who he is, that it shows our devotion to God, and we are doing it together in a circle of community, amen, and a circle of people who share the like minds. Why do we need a community of people like that? Because you don't want to be in a community that doesn't share the same interests, because if you're trying to live godly and live holy, and they're not with that, then you're going to be saying, you know what, I got to watch what I say, and they're going to say, why are you watching what you say? Just cuss your neighbor out. It ain't that deep, but if you are in the right circle and in the right, and that's what we say, who do you have in your circle, okay? Uh, one of the remember one of the cell phone uh, companies had that big thing where it was like who's in your circle, okay? And so what that's what we're doing this year. So last year we were building the brand, the thing that 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 shows who you are, the thing that shows your attitude, your circles, and your personality. This year we're doing what? Say it with me: building godly community. Amen. Amen. So this is our focus. This is our focus: building godly community. That's our plan, and we are doing it in within a circle. Okay, we are surrounded. By the but by each other, we are surrounded in a in a circle. So first, we're building you. First, we build you. It takes with an individual. Okay, it starts with you by yourself, individual. Then what? Community. And then what? Kingdom. So if this church is one community, if we're one circle, and another church is another community, they're their circle. All of our circles should overlap, and there's a bigger circle around us all, and that's the kingdom of God. One thing that the Bible says about community, it says, "Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Look at your neighbor and say it. Train yourself. Train yourself. Train yourself to be godly." Now, it says this, physical training is good. It's okay. A lot of people ran the marathon. Some of you guys have done P90X. I've done hip-hop abs. So training your physical body, it worked, it worked, it worked, it worked. It got me ready for my wedding. Can't fit my dress anymore, but I'll go back. Okay. Training is good. Physical training is good. But training for godliness, training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life after. So what you need to understand, that godliness affects your actions here, but it also determines where you go. This is not our home. We are on a visitation. We're at a long, a long stay, uh, hotel stay here on earth, but heaven is our home, all right? Godliness gets us there, but godliness also prepares us for the life we're living here. Amen? Amen? Okay, so what are the four steps? Last year we had five steps. This year we have four steps. Say it with me. Coaching, mentoring, discipling, pastor. And that's how we build godly community. Say it one more time. Coaching mentoring, discipling, and pastoring. So when you're in the circle, the, the coaching starts on the outskirts. The mentoring takes you a little bit closer in. Discipling takes you a little bit more in, and pastoring gets you right in the center, okay? So you have a community of people around you, and so it should be that when you are in a community, like I said, it's people in the circle that have the same interests, the same. Does it mean that you can't touch people outside the circle? No, but they should feel the enhancement of you being in a circle. They should feel the effects of your circle when you are in your workplace. How many of you work around unsafe people? Okay. Uh, when I was a teacher, when Steph was talking about the crowded schools, when I was a teacher, I did special ed at a um, at a uh, um, what is it called? Uh, 
to thank you, uh, alternative school, special ed at an alternative school. So these were the kids that got kicked out of the traditional system, so then they came to us. Now, if they were special ed, then that meant that there was no place you could go. They could get kicked out of the alternative school, and then they were just on their own. But if they were special ed, they couldn't get kicked out. So if they were special ed, there was nowhere else to go. So if they were in my room, I didn't have the privilege of opening the door and saying, take yourself down the hall or wherever else. So they were with me, and I was not stuck, but they, I was basically stuck, okay? They couldn't go nowhere else. The most I could do is send them to in-school suspension, and they could stay there for two days, two weeks, but they couldn't top two weeks. I, I knew that they were coming back in my room. So what did I do before they came in? I anointed the chairs, I anointed the, the, the desk, I anointed, I mean, I had to have a setup because I was on my own. School was overcrowded. You're not even supposed to have over eight special ed students at one time in your room. I had 12, okay? Seventh graders on all types of medication. So as they came in the door in the morning, I would just shake their head like this. I would put my head and they would go like this. They were like, why are you always touching our head? I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm anointing you to act like you got some sense in here. But then I was like, that's just our thing. And so they would come in and then they started liking it. They were like, do my head, do my head. And I would shake their head. Did you take your medication? Nope. Okay, go back to the office, call your mother, tell her to get your, your medication, then come back. And some of the kids were like, I, I'm just, I don't want to take it or they whatever. And they would come in. And so they would say all the time, Miss McFadden, your class is so different. What is, what is it about this circle? What is it about this circle that's different? Because I brought my community to my workplace, okay? I brought my, now my team teacher, was taught special ed, and I later found out that she was on the same medication as a lot of the students. So I was like, you're on the same medication? She was like, yeah, so if any of them don't, and she didn't even think anything of it. If any of them forgot their medication, they could take mine, they could take a quarter of my pill, or half, no, what? You know, so I remember one of the little boys, he had threatened to kill his mother, he had threatened to kill the principal, and he got to my door, I said, let me tell you something. I said, come here, I wanna show you something real quick. And he said, yes, I said, what does that sign say right there? He said, McFadden, I said, right. So when you cross over this line, this is my room, okay? You can't threaten to kill me because that won't work well in here. So you can threaten to kill your mother, you can threaten to kill the other teachers, you can threaten to kill the principal, but McFadden ain't having you kill her in this room. And he was like, yes, ma'am. And so then he started liking being in my room, but he would go to the other teachers. So he went to the other teacher that was on the same medication that he was one day, and I heard all this screaming and hollering, and I go out into the hallway, and I called his name. I said, what is wrong with you? He said, she's the devil! She's the devil! Your room is not the devil, but her room is the devil. I was like, shh, don't tell me. Just come, just, just come here. And she said, send him in here with you. So he came and sat in my circle. Okay, so I say that to say you may have a circle somebody else has a circle But if your circle is godly, then you have to influence other people. I had to influence that teacher I had to influence those kids. I had to influence the atmosphere because there was nowhere else to go. Does that make sense? Okay, you with me? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to do Let's go to the next slide because I really want you to get a picture, okay? Now, this is you on your journey through life. Remember building said what? It says it takes a, huh? Oh, you can, that's perfect because the next slide, we need the lights off anyway. Okay, everybody, can everybody see better now? Okay, so you are on a journey through life. Remember the definition of building says it's done over time. Constructing something big. Say what God is doing in me is big. It's huge, it's magnificent, it's major. So you are on a journey. You start down there, you're not 
there yet. It's okay if you're not there yet. And you have to understand you're not there yet. And what do we, we, we say all the time? There are bumps in the road, but God will get you to where you're going. So you, you're on a spiritual development journey, okay? Spiritual development journey. So the first thing that happens on your journey is you get on the road. And that's what coaching is. On our women's prayer card, we have women that call in from, um, from Indiana, from Maryland, from Florida, from Boston, and all these places. They're, at, they're over here. They're on the outskirts of our circle, but there's something that we're doing that pulls them in, that makes them take a break from work to call in. So coaching is something, and this is borrowed from my book, Coaching You, but coaching is something where you get bits and pieces, but it's nuggets that get you going, okay? But coaching is when you get your car on the road. Okay, coaching is what got you on the road. So everybody in here is in a sp different spiritual journey, but whatever you are, you're on a journey, a spiritual development journey, so you're on the road, amen? So something got you on the road. Now, mentoring is the GPS coordinates, coordinates for where you're going. So you get in the car, you don't know where you're going, but God knows where you're going. So Ephesians chapter one says this, you have been predestined by God. You have been predestined to go to a specific place. When you take a plane, a plane, uh, a get on a plane, you always have a ticket stating your final destination. If you have a layover somewhere, the first thing they want to do at the when you ask the counter, they're asking you this, what is your final destination? God knows what it is. So when you get in a mentoring situation, that means that somebody is walking with you and they understand the GPS coordinates because God has downloaded to them. And when you're on a journey, how many of you guys in your car, if you set the GPS, you can go to the list that says turn list and you can see all the different stops and turns and places you're going to go. But ultimately you got to what? Keep on driving. So that is what mentoring does. Mentoring sets your GPS coordinates. Discipleships. It is the deposit that need it's the deposits the needed endurance for the journey offering gas for the going okay so you get in the car you get the GPS coordinates, but you can't get there if you don't have gas. So discipleship is the gas to drive you to your spiritual destination, to the place where God is trying to get you to, to get you to your calling, to get you to your new life, to get you to all that God wants to do. And so he will send people, and it's usually uncomfortable, but it's because it's driving you somewhere and your flesh is going to fight against it. Pastoring is this. You have the car, you have the GPS, you have the gas. Pastoring is the insurance offers insurance protection so that you don't abandon the journey or crash and burn along the way. Pastoring is the insurance. You can go and jump around and visit this place and that place, but if you don't have a pastor or somebody anchoring you and holding you to the road, you gotta be held to the road. And this is what the Bible says. It says, wide is the road that leads to destruction. It's a wide road, but narrow is the road. Narrow is the word that leads to everlasting. So it's uncomfortable a lot of times. How many of you ever been on a one road highway? We've spent a lot of time driving across country and all those things. And sometimes you're on a wide highway and sometimes you're on a, on, a, on a narrow highway. We used to drive, we used to live in Virginia and drive to Philadelphia. Now we could go through Richmond, DC. We can go through Maryland, Baltimore, and all the way around, loop around through Delaware and get to Philly. But there was a special road called the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. It cost money. It was what, three bridges and two tunnels. Yep. But if you took the Chesapeake Bay Bridge from uh, Virginia to Philly, you could cut your travel in time. It was, a two, it was just like two lanes most of the way there. 
It wasn't a big highway like going through Richmond, D.C., Baltimore, Delaware, all the way to Philly. But baby, you could pay an extra $30 and be on a two-lane highway, go through three bridges and two tunnels, and cut through all these small towns and get to Philadelphia way faster, way faster than the wide roads. And so it's not going to make sense to you a lot of times. But God will send mentors and disciples and pastors to tell you, I'm telling you, yes, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge costs a lot of money. Yes, you're going to have to go in a tunnel. Yes, it's going to be a one lane. But narrow is the road that leads to your destiny. So this, you got to stay on the road, stay the course. Now, next, I'm about to show you a TV show that uh, one of the few shows that I can watch that I like that doesn't have, you know, a lot of craziness in it. I'm going to show you this. We're going to pray that this clip will work without commercials because I tested it 55 times last night. And I think I played it so much that they just let me watch it without commercials. But I want to set it up for you. And hopefully we can get the widescreen. This is a show called Scorpion, OK? You anybody like the show? Yeah. Okay, I love Scorpion. Okay, good. Yeah, I love Scorpion. So Scorpion is a set. is a It's a community of geniuses. Okay, that don't fit anywhere else, but they solve. They solve. Um, uh, uh, crimes and problems that the government can't fix, that the police can't fix, that this thing can't fix. Nobody can fix. Now, in this particular scene, the leader of the group is mad at his mentor. He's mad at his discipler or he's mad at his mentor. There's a, there's a head leader of the group named Cabe. Cabe is an older guy that's been there, done that, and he's been mentoring this kid, this guy, Walter, who you're gonna see in a minute. And those of you who know the show, you can, but those of you who don't know, I'm just giving you a heads up. Walter is about to die, okay? But he's mad. Part of the reason why he's about to die is because he was mad at his mentor, discipler, but that's a whole nother situation. So he's mad at Cabe, and he ended up in this Ferrari hanging off the edge of a cliff. Okay, and this is what godly community will do for you when you find yourself stuck. I not have that long. Thanks to him shifting around in there, the ground's moved under the car in a way that even the slightest change in weight distribution can upset the balance. That's okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm sorry, pal. I thought the phone was off. That's okay. Any luck finding Paige? I still nothing, buddy. I called again, not answering her phone. Too bad we don't have a Southern Bell two-slot payphone circa 1991. Stop it. I know what you're doing. You're talking about that payphone I rigged for free calls when we first opened the garage because we couldn't afford a phone. Oh, you sure fixed that first, didn't you? Okay, I'm not having it. Okay, I will not let you eulogize a memory of you and me. You have three geniuses up here putting their heads together. We will figure this out. You will not die. The situation is under control. Last year, you're into bird watching. How much does a crow weigh? Decent size, 1.2 pounds. Why? One just landed on my hood. Upon pressure on the lever at the greatest distance from the fulcrum can create enough force to start the beginning of a slide, which results in gravitational pull. Which results in car overboard. If that bird flies off, Walter dies. Guys, the car's starting to tilt ever so downward. Copy that. We're aware of the situation and handling it. How are we handling this? Uh, the, the fire department's got a hook and ladder parked up around that bend. You never extend out far enough. I know, but I saw construction work down the road from here. I have an idea, and it works on the same principle. Hey, if you fly off, the reverse torque from weight distribution will cause my death. 
you don't really care about that. He's talking to the bird. Not the best sign. Rescue crews are at a loss at how to extract the man identified as one Walter O'Brien from the car before it completes its fall down the cliff. With me is Thomas Kohlbrenner, USC professor of structural engineering who has studied photographs and video of the scene. Come on, Mr. go faster! Mr. the situation, what's the likelihood of a successful rescue? Well, I hate to be morbid, Jackie, but I don't see a scenario where Mr. O'Brien makes it out alive. Don't listen to them. They don't know what Scorpion's capable of. Maybe? He's my friend. Plan? Oh yeah, Happy left here like a bat out of hell, and you know her. She says she's got an idea. She's got an idea. What is that? Her idea. You borrowed a crane from a construction site? Not exactly. You stole a crane from a construction site? Exactly. Ah, uh, Walt, here's the plan. I am going to hook Cape up to the end of a crane, like a wrecking ball, and swing him out over the canyon to your car. We'll connect you via safety line, and we'll pull you both back in. Amazingly not the craziest thing that we've ever done. It's been a busy year. Okay, Walter, you're gonna need to unlock the passenger side door so Cabe can get to you, but move with extreme caution as to, you know, not get killed. Oh, that is gonna hurt. More than falling down the side of a cliff? All right, point taken. Okay, now I gotta fashion a harness for you to wear. I'll get some Tech 12 cable from Search and Rescue. Uh, Cape. The car falls when you're hooked to Walter, and his body gets caught inside. The hoist line snaps, and you will go down with him. Let's get the harness ready. because Cable have already hooked your safety line to him. The car falls while you hang safely in the air with Super Gallop. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere until I talk to Paige. Ground underneath that car is getting more and more unstable. That bird can amscray at any moment. We have got to get this party started as soon as Happy is done rigging that harness. Toby, there is a strong possibility that this thing does not work. And if so, then I need to talk to Paige and Ralph. He's not going to open that door until they get here, no matter what. How do you know? Because the last thing Walter Bryan wants to do before he dies is state facts. And the fact he has tried to tell us in his own way is that he loves us. So why do you think he wants Paige here so badly? So I'm going to feed the line through the window. You're going to hook it around your waist. Kim, if this thing doesn't work, then you need to tell her. 
Tell Paige what, son? Tell her that I am. Oh, no. Bird's on the move. Move. He flies off. It's all over. Happy, how much longer? I'm not ready. Get ready. Get going. I only have one line, you need two. Not an option. Get me out there now. Is this it, pal? You can fly off? I can do what you gotta do, but if you could just stay put for a little bit longer, I, I'd really appreciate it. Proximal half of the bird's wings are flexing. It's preparing to fly, and if I've picked up on that, so is Walter. we say we're building I know it seemed long but that's you that's what that's what we see when we see a lot of people we see you hanging in a hanging on in a car that's hanging off the edge of a cliff with and you say oh it's just a little bird but that one bird could be the matter of their life or death that's that's life right there that's life. And so God needs a whole community around you putting their heads together as to how your life can be saved. And you need somebody that's willing to go over a cliff for you, okay? You have to have somebody that's going to say, you know what, even if you're mad at me, I will put a harness on my body and hang over a cliff. And she told him, she said, if this thing goes down, you go down too. And he said, I don't feel like talking. Let's get in motion and save your life. And that's why we're building godly community. You need people that are going to surround you. Can you go back to the PowerPoint? You need people that are going to surround you and say you're worth it. You're worth it. Even when it looks like it's totally, your life is at a total loss. Now, you may say, I'm not in, I'm not in dire straits. I'm not hanging off of, in, a, in, a, in a car, hanging off the edge of the cliff, ready to go at any minute. You may not be now, but keep living. Because you never know when. Two, for, uh, what, right before that, he was in a, far, a Ferrari racing up the canyons in L.A. But look at where he ended up. So you don't know where you're going to go. But you on your road. He was on a road. But on a road, when he hit an impasse on his road, he needed a godly community to come together and save his life. When he first hit the car, the police were all about to do the wrong thing to save his life. And his community came in and said, no, no, no. Everything you're doing will definitely ensure 
ensure his demise. So some of the communities you're in think they have a plan for you, and God is saying that's not going to work. You need your godly community to come in and say, you know what, I know how to save you off a cliff. And it was a bird, a little bird. The other, the other part of the team is in a car racing towards them. And the guy on the radio said, oh, there's no way he can win. People will write you off. Yeah. But a real coach, a real disciple, a real mentor, a real pastor will say, no, 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 no. I will hang over a cliff for you. I will hang over a cliff. And so that's why you need to be surrounded. That's why you need to have a circle. And that's why this year, can you go, well, I don't know where Nicole is. Can you go to the next one? That's why you need to be in a godly community. And that's why we're building. So Isaiah 58 verse 8 is our scripture. We talked about having a scripture theme for the year. And it says, then your salvation, please turn to it in New Living if you have your electronic Bibles. And um, you might, might be hard to see. But it says this in, in the New Living Translation, Isaiah 58, 8. It says then, somebody say then. then. Then your salvation will quickly come. Are you there? Well, first of all, let me give you a chance. Or you can read it up here. Then your salvation, excuse me, will come like the dawn. The dawn is the rising of a new day. And your wounds will quickly heal. Somebody say quickly heal. Quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal, and your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Next slide. What are the four promises in this scripture? Salvation, say it with me. Salvation, healing. Say it like you mean it. Start all over. Those are the four blessings in the steps. So the steps are coaching, mentoring, discipling, and pastoring. And the four blessings are the steps are what? Salvation, healing, godliness, and protection. That's what a godly community will give you. But look at what it says. And, and, and uh, you can go two slides up. Remember, we're building godly community. But this is the thing. It says then. Go back to the word then. Then. Now, this is the hard part. Why be led by a coach? Why be led by a mentor? Why be led by a discipler? Why be led by a pastor? So you can make spiritual progress. This is the hard part for us. This is the hard part because it's uncomfortable for you, but it's definitely uncomfortable for us as leaders, okay? It's hard, but this is our commandment from God. This is what the prophet uh, Isaiah, this is what God told the prophet Isaiah. He says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, shout loud, and don't be timid, don't be fearful, but you have to tell my people their sins. And that is hard to do, to watch you and say, you know what, you're about to drive off the cliff. No, I'm not, I'm fine. How are you gonna get in my business, okay? I've just been doing this for a while and I could see it coming. And so it's hard to say, and this is why so many places it's watered down. They don't even use the word sins. They just use the word issues because it's hard for us to say that. But God has a demand on us to put a demand on you because this is what God was trying to get to. He said, tell my people this. They come to the temple every day. They seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that they would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. And they say, we have tasted before, we have fasted before for you, Lord, they say, why aren't you impressed with us? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it, Lord. And the Lord said this, I will tell you why. It's because you are fasting to please yourself. 
So when you're on your journey and you go to make a right turn, God will send a spiritual guide to tell you, get back on the path, get back on the path. When you go, oh, but I'd rather take the freeway instead of the side road, get back on the path. So God puts a mandate on us to tell you the hard things. And this is what he told Jeremiah. He said, if you don't tell them, I'll embarrass you in front of them. So there are some leaders that get embarrassed because they don't want to tell you the hard stuff. But God is trying to make sure that you get to where you're going. He said, if you want to, this is the thing, if you've ever, you don't have to raise your hands because you may not want to admit it. You've ever been living your life, well, I read a scripture today. Well, I gave my money and I paid my tithes and I went to church. What is the problem? God doesn't answer. I'm not going back anymore because that thing doesn't work. And there are people who say that and God is saying, yep, the principles work. You're just getting, you're focused on yourself and not me. Remember the word devotion? That's what godliness is. You can, have a, you can build a community, but a godly community shows you what your devotion is supposed to be. Not on getting things from God, but getting God. Did you hear me? Devotion is not from getting things from God, but getting God. The Winans used to have a song and say, I'd rather have the giver, because with the giver, the gifts come along. Okay, nobody's interested? Okay, let's go to the next one. That's, what God, that's, our, that's our part. And so later on in the, in the scripture, in the, in the chapter, he says this. He said, keep the Sabbath holy. Don't pursue your interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight and I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance. I promise a promise is what? Still a promise. And he said, and I promised it to Jacob. The Lord has spoken. Remember we talked about Jacob and Israel? He promises it to you when you're a trickster. He promises it to you when you're a liar. But he says, this road I'm setting you on will get you to be Israel. Okay? He says, this is what, so this is the thing. We don't tell you something that's hard. God is saying the Sabbath is mine. And I love it because one African proverb says, the Sabbath gives your body a chance to catch up with your spirit. God, you don't just tithe your money. You got to give God his day. And he said, the Sabbath is my day, but you want to have all your days without God in it where God's not a priority with your time. Oh, God, I'll give you a Sunday here or there. I'll give you a day of discipleship. Okay, God says, remember my day. Give me mine, and I will give you the inheritance I promised you. Okay, go back to the next one. Because remember, he said, then, then, then. So the reason why he says, then your salvation will come is because this, he's saying these things beforehand. Then he says, after it, he says, then you will call to the Lord and the Lord will answer. And he'll say to you real quick, I'm here. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing fingers with people. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out of the darkness. Why do you think we go to one generation senior center? Why do you think we take a Sunday and go to the school and clean up? Why do we go around the city doing random acts of kindness? Because we have to take the church outside the building. We're trying to teach a principle right here because God says that you can do all that stuff for inreach, but if you're not doing outreach, it's not going to matter. So there's balance, 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 and the Lord will guide you continue, continually giving you water when you're dry, and you will be a well-watered garden overflowing. This is the thing. Carnality is when you're saved, but you do things your way. You're, you're a Christian, but you do just enough. You keep your car parked in your driveway. But when you leave carnality and you go into a deeper place with God because you've been in a godly community and you're being coached and mentored and discipled and pastored, then you're taking your car out of the driveway, off the street, and you're getting back on that road. Can you go to the next one? 
Is anybody in here? Just say amen, even if you don't like it. Amen. All right. Say it one more time, just for the sake of. Amen. All right. All right. All right. San Francisco earthquake. In 1906, on April 18th in 1906, an entire city was wiped out. An earthquake, 7.8. This is what the city looked like after that earthquake. It said that some of the buildings that were right on the San Andreas Fault just completely crumbled, went into the street. A lot of, um, um, what's the university? Uh, um, uh, my mind just went, uh, not Berkeley. It starts with the S. Uh, Stanford, thank you. Stanford, uh, you see pictures of Stanford University. It was just destroyed. 7.8 magnitude. 7.8 magnitude. This is what it looked like. And guess what they started doing two days later? They started building. Started rebuilding. How do you rebuild a city that looks like this? How do you rebuild your life when you come to God and this is what you look like? God doesn't say, well, you're kind of jacked up. You kind of messed up. I don't know. No, two days, 300 plumbers were underground getting the pipes in order. It says that they rebuilt. It says some people came and said, you can't rebuild that city. You're rebuilding it too fast. You're not, you're not paying attention. They said, if we don't start rebuilding, we'll stay like this. And this is what carnality looks like. You're like, well, we're still a city. You're not functioning. You are not, you are not. Nobody can go in that bank. This was a bank. Nobody can go in there and get any money. Nope, there's no ATM service. There's no electricity. You have to rebuild and building takes time. But two days later, after this, this city was shaken, 300 plumbers said, I believe we can fix it. And that's what a discipler does. That's what a pastor does. That's what a mentor does. You come raggedy tore up. God says, don't come after the city's rebuilt. You come just as you are. This is what just as you are looks like. And this is why we're hard on you. This is what, and now you can go somewhere where you don't even get a chance to shake your hand, shake the pastor's hand, where you're just a number in a seat and an offering envelope in the back room. But if you want to get rebuilt, then you need somebody walking with you closer. And this is the plan for this year. Godly community, godly community. What steps will you take to build or rebuild in 2016? Because I love the Lowe's commercial. Every time it comes on, Pastor Darrell laughs at me when he goes, let's build something together. Because we're not building things, we're not building any, we're building you. And then the community comes into tact and then the kingdom of God comes intact. But it's, it's an up close and personal thing. It's an up close and personal thing. And your responsibility, the only way you can rebuild yourself, if you, I love it because that scripture said godliness has profit for this life and the life and the next. But in this life, you gotta give God the Sabbath. In this life, you have to fast to get to know him, not to get things. Well, I'm fasting for a new house. Mm, you may just wanna fast to know God and then he'll tell you all about the other stuff. Fast to get closer to God. We were in the kitchen the other day, and we were getting texts from people, and people were like, oh, are you guys fasting in January? We were going to do lunch, but are you fasting? Are you doing a Daniel fast or this fast? And I sat there, and I said, it, it, and, and before Pastor Darrell came in, I was sitting there, I said, Lord, if I fast, I'm going to fast because of peer pressure. I'm going to fast because people say that that's how they're starting the new year, so I'm going to feel obligated to do it because of people, but I don't feel yet. Just Not that I don't need to fast, I'm just doing it so I can be in the team. So I could just say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm fasting too. But for me, fasting has to be something I'm pulled into, where God is just like, hey, get closer, get closer. I'm trying to tell you something. And I just don't, I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to just do it just out of the form and fashion of it. 
And I said, and then it was so funny. I was sitting there with this struggle. Then Pastor Daryl came in. He said, you know what? We could do a church fast just because all the other churches are doing it. But I really believe that our season of fast is just not yet. It's coming up, but just not yet. But you have to be able to hear what God's voice is for you. And in your community, just say, Lord, is this what we're saying? We're not saying fasting is wrong at the new year. We're not saying any of that. But it's, if it's fasting for weight loss because you ate too much at Christmas, you're wasting your time. It's got to be because you want God. You want God deeper and heavier, and you need God to show you in direction because I'm on this road aimless. I'm on this big open freeway, and I don't know where I'm going. It has to be with focus and purpose. You understand what I'm saying? Coaching, mentoring, discipling, and pastoring, that's the call of this house. We're going to dig in deep, and I'm going to tell you now, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, but building and throwing away rubble and digging in with your back and picking heavy things up, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when you go to the gym and bench press. It doesn't feel good. I know I was talking uh, with, um, with um, uh, Pastor Darrell, me and his, sis his sister used to live with me when we were engaged. And so we would be in our, our workout gear. We'd be doing our little stuff, and he downstairs doing P90X one day. And so we were like, oh, we could do that. And he said, just, uh, Y'all might want to, we were like, we could do it. We were just talking smack. We had our cute little workout gear. And we went down, and three minutes in, I was like, yeah, um, uh, I'm going to go back upstairs and take the, uh, the um, yeah, 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 the other one, because this is too hard. Yeah. And you're telling people, I could do that. Somebody mentor me, yeah, as long as they do what I tell them to do. No, it's about you submitting. <laughs> And it's about us doing what we do. Remember what Isaiah, God told Isaiah, he said, you better tell them and you better tell it loud. Because if you don't tell them, how are they going to be accountable? So just like it's hard on you, it's hard on us when God is telling us something when we know you don't want to hear it. But that's where we're going this year. We're building godly community. This is the scripture. Then, 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 if you do your part, then salvation will come like the dawn. And all those wounds from all over before, you will see quick healing when you're right in sync with God. It says then your godliness, godliness does what? It pushes you forward. Because you're on a journey, you're on a journey. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. I love it. So God has you going forward. He has you covered on the rear guard and he sends peace and joy and journey and, and he sends things to co cover you on the, on, the, on the sides and then he protects you with a godly community. Amen? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we said what you asked us to say. Now, Lord, as we press into a new year, Lord. We ask that you would press into us. Press into us as pastors. Press into us, Lord, as disciples, Lord, that we would be willing to, well, we knew it when we took the job assignment. We knew it. I remember in 1997 when I was licensed and ordained and I stood before that church and I knew that my life wasn't mine anymore. And I knew that I was going to be separated from people because I would have to do the hard stuff. I knew that my friends were going to leave because they were going to be intimidated by me telling them, at the thought of me having to tell them something from God. I knew it. But I also knew I couldn't do life without you. I also knew that my predestination location was to be used by you to save lives. I was called to hang over a cliff on a wire and put my life at risk to pull people out. 
that's really the true call. And as Walter told him, I won't let go if you don't. And at the point you're already hanging off a cliff by a wire, you have no intentions of letting go. Lord, our greatest prayer was that people would learn to trust. That they would learn to trust. Walter had just told all those people in the community, he had just told them the night before he didn't need them. He wasn't a part of them anymore. But when his back was against the wall, his community was saving his life. Relationship is real. Doing life together is real. But if you don't do it in a godly way, you cannot survive. Lord, rebuild us like San Francisco. Rebuild us, oh God. Rebuild your people. And for some of those that have never been built up, we pray that they would be built. But Lord, build a godly community. Build a circle. So that when people come in this room, as we prayed at the end of last year, that there would be honey on the floor. So that when they step in, they would just get stuck to the love, stuck to the favor, stuck to the blessings. Lord, I pray and we commit in front of the people now that we will do as you instruct us, even when it hurts. Because that's what real relationship is about. That's what real godliness is about. We are not building a carnal community. We are building a godly community. If you're, I'm going to do something challenging. If you're under the sound of our voice and you say, you know what? I, I need it. I need somebody to push me forward on the journey. As we make a commitment to you to build, maybe you just need to stand up where you are and just say, you know what, Lord, I submit to whatever it takes for you to rebuild me. And Lord, I don't want to wait. It started in two days in San Francisco. And by the end of that year, they were celebrating the cable cars running and the buildings and people being at, people went from living in tents to living in houses that were rebuilt. Lord, we thank you and we commit to you. And Lord, I pray that the people will answer by saying, amen, I need that. I need that.